Welcome to the EQ Podcast. All right, welcome to the EQ Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Lamberson, and this is a show focused on equipping ministry leaders within the CCA in the Pacific Northwest. I know that's a handful, a mouthful to say. But, you know, basically we're here to help the shepherds in the Calvary Chapel. And so, you know, that's one of our goals. I'm here with Pastor Steve Winery. And on our show today, we have a very special guest. His name is Pastor Ted Etheridge. He's the pastor of Calvary Chapel Bozeman in Montana. How are you doing, Ted? Great. Great, Zach. Thank, yeah, thanks for having me on. It's a blessing. Yeah, it's good to have you. You know, I was uh, I did some research before the show, and I, I found out that you had actually taken the church over there in Montana and uh, you're a youth pastor for a while, so I kind of want to draw back even further. And if Ted, could you just introduce yourself to our listeners? Maybe talk a little bit about your background, how you got saved, and then how you got into ministry. Yeah, that yeah yeah that's great. It, it's a life story, but I'll try to keep it brief. Um, we were raised in a very legalistic uh, uh, church. Um, I was my mom was first generation Christian. And so I heard the gospel heavy, kind of King James only, old hymns, uh, head coverings, lot, lots of stuff that way. I grew up with a, a healthy fear of the Lord and memorized a lot of scriptures as a kid. But but I was a lot of law and very little grace. And um, so I, in my backslid in teenage college years, my mom found a Calvary Chapel in Oakland County, Michigan. And it was night and day. I just yeah. walked Jim Coy, uh, this was a Bob Coy's brother, was pastoring that church in Oakland County, Michigan, and just teaching the Bible with, uh, you know, just blue jeans and a T-shirt and just like just blown away just by the grace of God. And, and, um, and that was my first introduction to Calvary Chapel and just really an understanding of God's grace. It wasn't until I was 21 years old uh, that I would actually surrender my life uh, to the Lord, that the Lord would win my heart and and actually prayed to receive Christ right on the, on the, you know, kind of the volleyball court at the at Calvary Chapel Conference Center slash Bible College in 1997. I had uh, been invited out to California by my brother who had rec- was recently saved. Uh, we grew up out in Detroit, Michigan, and, and so that's where that's where I came to know the Lord and and just walked with him for a couple of years uh, there in, in Southern California. We attended Calvary Chapel Lake Elsinore and, and then also Calvary Chapel Marietta more so and and uh, with Brian Bell there. And, and we served in youth ministry and, and uh, met my wife down there, uh, wife-to-be. And and when we were uh, being married in 1997, we, we just uh, were just seeking the Lord about where to go. And we really felt uh, led up to... Uh, the Rocky Mountain area. We had known a, a brother named Jamie Smith who had come up to Calvary Chapel, Bozeman. And just like a lot of young people, um, just you know, we just wanted to serve the Lord. You know, we were in our early 20s and, and uh, hearts on fire for Christ. And we just wanted just to connect in some ministry somewhere. And, and, that, and we uh, had, a, had an open door to Bozeman, Montana. We had never been to Bozeman, but we got married, went on a one-week honeymoon up in Lake Arrowhead and and uh, packed a rider truck full of like an old couch and the table that was given to us and and started our life up in Bozeman and and just moved up here. We didn't have any any kind of ministry position. We, it was really just um, it was really just getting jobs, moving to Bozeman and 
And I got a job in construction, my wife a job at the bank. And we just started showing up to church, setting up chairs. And that led to an opportunity to teach the youth and which led an opportunity to, to pastor. So that's, that's the short story. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. That's a, quite the transition. I know you're from Michigan to Southern California to Montana. And so God's kind of taking it all over the place. huh? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you, you said you took the church over after about four years of doing youth ministry. Uh, what, what did that transition look like? Was you, were you guys a Calvary chapel at the time? And then what was, you know, as you transition into the pastorate there, you know, how did that transition go? (laughs) Well, the, uh, uh, the, the transition initially went very smoothly for about eight or nine months and until somebody said, boy, this is the smoothest church transition I've ever seen. <laughs> 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 and then the wheels just came off. And yeah. um, and I still, I don't think I have it any longer, but for the longest time I had kept a, a little the church directory we had from the from the fellowship when I was the youth pastor, when at the very time when I was transitioned into the senior pastor, and there were 251 names in the directory between kids and adults, and and our lowest Sunday after after the wheels came off, uh, we had 19 people at church, and I was related to seven of them, and so you can kind of see what it was actually really. I'm making light of it, but it was a it was a grueling six month stretch where we had lost a lot of people and. You know, our, our call to ministry was really tested, and and um, and so uh, the Lord used it. I had to learn a lot. I had to learn a lot about being a shepherd, yeah. and not just a preacher, but but a, a teacher that would love the love the flock. And and um, and the Lord preserved us, so He didn't let us quit. You know, and so that's a new but, church. Uh, what's that? I said that's a new church. Yeah, it's a church. It's a new plan. work. Yeah. It, so, did any of those guys come back? Some did. Some did. Yeah. And, um, and and but you know, by God's grace, we don't have bad relationships with any of them. I don't have to. We still see some of them in the community. Uh-huh. Bozeman's certainly a growing community. It's a different place than it was then, twenty-five years ago. Uh, but uh, but we're all friends, and I just thank the Lord for the restored relationships. There's. There's nobody that we hate or, or hates us. That's, <laughs> good. That's a good thing. <laughs> hey, hey, Ted, uh, we were talking uh, not too long ago, and one of the things that you told me was that there there was uh, issues with your affiliation. You want to talk yeah. about that a little bit? Yeah. It might, yeah. might be something yeah. that would be yeah. good yeah. for yeah. guys to hear. Guys listening today that, that are having a little uh, issue with affiliation or waiting and say, like, Hey, why, why am I, you know, why am I not a part of the big boys club or, um, uh-huh. and so as you know, in Calvary Chapel, churches are not affiliated, but right. pastors are affiliated. And so uh, whenever you transition, there's a senior pastorate to another, you know, the first senior pastorate, you know, he signs off on a guy. And so, um, and so then that guy kind of has a fast track toward affiliation. He was a part of the church. He's been raised up. But during that time, Roger Wing was overseeing affiliation. So so I still needed to be affiliated. And so essentially they were, as far as the church, you're kind of innocent until proven guilty. So we could remain Calvary Chapel as a church on the on the Calvary Chapel website. Uh, but but I was in transition. I was also welcome to the senior pastors conferences immediately. But um, after 
after we had everybody leave the church, uh, the uh, it, it's at that time I think it was called Calvary Chapel Outreach Fellowship, and uh, they said, "Oh, we're going to put the pause on your affiliation, mm-hmm. and uh, we're just going to wait and see what happens." And then it transitioned from Roger Wing over to to Bob Caldwell when he would over when he was overseeing our region, and. Um, and and I had to, and I was no longer invited to the senior pastors conferences for about five years, um, mm. and they, we we were able to remain at, at Calvary Chapel by name as far as our church, but um, but I they were just kind of waiting to see, uh, and and I just remember during that time, you know, it, you know, I, I wanted to be able to go down and fellowship with the other Calvary pastors. Montana's the lonely place at it as it is, you know that. <laughs> appear have been traditionally smaller uh, you don't like who do we really fit in with i mean are we are we northern rocky mountain guys are we seattle guys you know like like where do we really fit in and, and uh so um and so we really just had we just had to remain faithful and i know there's guys that kind of plow away in some spots where where calvary chapel might not have the same identity as it does in other places and you you kind of lose a little bit of that uh inertia that can take place like oh it's recognizable name entity and and uh, and so but but you know eventually i just remember getting a call from bob and he said he said ted you know we just see the lord's faithful the churches continue to grow and we want to affiliate you and i remember that that first uh uh, senior senior pastor conference, I was able to go back and go and stand right there at the spot where I was born again and walk by the dorm where I lived for two years as I served as a, a landscaper there. And and just remember the Lord just shining on me and said, hey, you've been faithful. And, and I think that's what I'd say to any guy that's kind of waiting on the affiliation processes. Exaltation doesn't come from the east, west, north or south. God is right. judge. He puts down one and exalts another. And, and affiliations for the purpose of fellowship and and uh, and if you're longing for that fellowship that that affiliation affiliation can bring, wait for it. Um, you know, the Lord had Paul minister in a very lonely place for a while and, until he raised him up. Yeah, that's, so. those are good words. You know, faithfulness is just, I mean, that's what we do. It's a, yeah. You know, this isn't a, we're going to try this out and, and uh, see what happens type of thing. This is where we live. And so yeah. if you're going to serve the Lord, then you just serve him. And it doesn't really matter what people think about you. Uh, yeah. what, what what really matters is what Jesus thinks about you. Yep. I like that. Amen. That's awesome. Yeah. Amen. So in your in your desert time, did you have you just thinking of encouragement for guys who might be out there and don't have that affiliation, or you know, for for me, that's not as important as what are you doing to try to find support or people around you and try to you know you know be accountable or even just, you know, people who can fellowship with what were you doing during that, that period? Yeah. Well, I, yeah, immediately three, three groups come to mind. Well, first and foremost, my wife. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. I mean, she's just my, been my best friend in ministry. And so she's always been there. Um, but, but beyond my wife, three, three groups immediately come to mind. One is just the other Calvary guys that I had known through the years and uh, guys that I had shared with in Southern California, like, um, uh, whether it was Sean Hausman or or uh, or uh, Eric Colum or just other brothers that I that I knew that we still they were Calvary pastors elsewhere I could connect with those guys, um, uh, then and then there was my own my own guys here that our staff right here that was just kind of growing during that time guys being added and 
And so I've always just looked at the guys that I minister with right here in our own church as a, as a, a source of, of that encouragement and mutual fellowship. But then also, um, you know, in some, you know, just depends on where you're at. Uh, some Calvary guys do this more than others, but, but I really did develop strong relationships with other Calvary or with other uh, non-Calvary chapel pastors in my own community. I mean, just guys that, that, uh, you know, maybe have varying few different nuances and doctrines that were different than, than me, but men that love the Lord and, and love his word and and um, guys that I could just meet with and pray with. And 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 so you need that, you know, um, and then yeah, and then beyond that, the fellowship that just comes with with just hearing teaching from other other sources as well from other Calvary guys, and things along those lines. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, you, you talked about. Um getting you know having fellowship with your guys on staff um why don't you address how uh your relationships with your guys on staff goes you know sometimes you you got guys who are uh, kind of distant from their staff members you know it's mm-hmm. like I, i'm the boss you guys are the employees you know I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you when i get to you you know that kind of thing and then uh other guys are are more cordial and you yep. know their friends and, and that. Yeah. So where, where do you land on that? And what do you think about all that? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I am much more of the ilk of just, just wanting to, to know these guys and have, and be known and, and have, uh, have a mutual friendship rather than a hierarchy type relationship, uh, with mm-hmm. them. Uh, admittedly, like any, any staff, any healthy staff, there's times we, we want to kill each other. Like we don't see eye to eye and we, uh, we do things so drastically different and from one another. Um, and, but then we so appreciate, we so appreciate each other. And uh, the two guys that have been with me longest, uh, John and Dale, uh, they, they came, uh, John came just a year after the split. And, and so really a year after the, plant and Dale a couple of years after him. But John's been with us 19 years, Dale 17 years. And then we have other guys that have just been added in right now. We have, uh, we have five pastors on staff. And so we, um, and, but a lot of these guys have been with us for a very long time. And mm-hmm. I think it's a sign of a healthy fellowship yep. when there's a staff, when you see us, when you see a senior pastor turning over his staff every couple of years, like something's something's amiss. Mm-hmm. You have that relationship with guys. They need to know that you're for them. Yeah. And uh and, and we'll naturally move some guys on sometimes. But they you need to know that they're for you and you need to know they need to know that you're for them. And yeah. the only way that that happens is by by actually by actually talking with each other and getting input from each other. And even if it's like maybe a little bit different than what you were originally thinking and and so um, I will say that we have a very supportive staff that the guys will say, hey, this is what I think, but but we trust you, Pastor Ted, and we'll, we'll follow you or whatever you want to do. And But I don't take that. I don't take that lightly. I don't say, oh, well, remember, I'm the pastor, submit. And mm-hmm. But I want to know, like, hey, well, I want to know what you guys think. And um, and so, and yeah, but they're able to be, uh, they're able to be there as a, a real part of uh my heart, my fellowship, and it's my primary source, I would say, of strength from other brothers in the Lord. Yeah, yeah. That's good. So how do you choose, this is my personal question, how do you choose who comes to the pastor's retreat in October? You only get one guy. 
<laughs> what did you say? Um, I didn't hear that. Ask for permission to bring more than one. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> Steve has to ask Christy. You know, he has to ask yeah. one. <laughs> but Christy always lets me have at least two. So, uh, but I have, I have, I think. I've we got to edit that out. Yeah, we'll edit that out. We can't <laughs> let guys know that you can have more than two. That's not a thing. <laughs> um, so, I, I, uh, yeah, that is that is a hard one. But what I do is I, uh, I one, I just kind of see what everybody's schedule is like. And so I have brought three different guys to that. Um, yeah, on, yeah. But I've always just brought one only. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, buddy. <laughs> I see where their schedule's at and, yeah, just see who it might be. Yeah. No, I was just uh, curious. Um, you know, you're in a rural, a rural area. It's growing, obviously. Bozeman's yeah. becoming, you know, more metropolis but you know what does ministry look like you know we got a chance to talk with david from uh, calvary chapel Calspell, and he was telling us that like rural ministry is a little bit different oh by the way if you hear dog uh steve's dog on the podcast um this is rufus rufus is is joining us and so you'll hear him if you're not watching you don't see him so um, that's the panting steve's not out of breath or anything over here um <laughs> So what is the, uh, you know, he's just sharing some of the challenges of that ministry. And I don't know if you've experienced some of the same and, you know, your area is growing and it's kind of bursting at the seams in a lot of yep. ways, but maybe yep. you can walk us through what that's looked like over the years. Sure. It, actually, yeah, you're right. So it, it, not that much. It reminds me more of Southern California now than, than ever before. <laughs> so it's like, you know, sometimes they call Bozeman, Boz Angeles, but um, <laughs> the, uh, so the dynamic is changing, but if I if I think back to when we first when we first moved here, we would, uh, yeah, there were just certainly some things that worked in a Southern California environment that do not work up here. One of the things was kids and kids ministry. Uh, immediately saw that that um, in Southern California is very easy just to say no kids under ten in the sanctuary. And everybody was just trained. So like, boom. So obviously all the youth, we had youth group on Sunday morning and all of this and everybody just was and there. And, but then we got up here and we just realized that wasn't going to work for some families. We try to have an excellent kids ministry, invite people to it. We want any moms that are coming in with little ones. We provide have a nursing mom's room and all that. We want to, we want to handle it respectfully. But that was one where we just realized there's a lot of homeschool families that attend our church. Uh, there's a lot of uh, just families that are just a very uh, family centric here in this part of the, part of uh, the, the country. And we're like, okay, they, they family's big to them. And, and uh, they, they're visiting a church for the first time. Maybe they don't want to put their kids in kids ministry and they just want to have them with us. So we always just were like, okay, well, we want to, we want to minister to you. Um, also, another thing I had to realize is just, uh, you know, they say sometimes, uh, I was talking to Sean Hausman about this. He's like, he's like, sometimes it, like you can see worship is the, and is depending on like the, the trees of, uh, of a certain state. So like in the South where it's warm and the palm trees are swaying in the wind, you know, everybody comes in and their hands are up and they're waved and they're worshiping. But up in Montana, we're like the mighty oaks. We just kind of stand there, you know, hands <laughs> <laughs> I had to learn that like guys, they're coming in wearing blue jeans and flannels and their work boots 
and their hands nary move out of their pockets during the entire worship set are not worshiping the Lord any less than the guy in flip flops and, and a t-shirt and, and Bermuda shorts, hands raised, you know, like, Hey, it's, it's different. And the, the approach is different. And don't try to say like, come on, man, be like, start clapping, raise your hands. Like, Hey, don't, the worship leader doesn't need to be a cheerleader and just, just worship the Lord. Let the Lord, let the Lord do that. But it's going to look, it's going to look different wherever you're at. And so, um, yeah, and just and just ministering to people and that are just very down to earth folks, just right where they're at. Oh, I, I like that a lot. I think you know, just realizing who you're ministering to. This applies to missions too, which is in my next question. Because you go to other countries, you don't, you can't bring American church culture to India or Africa or any, you know places like that. You guys do uh, missions at your church. What? Um, missions have you been involved with and what would you encourage pastors you know who are thinking about getting to missions like how how would you help them along with that yeah that's a it's a good question thanks for asking yeah missions are near near and dear to our heart and we're just thankful to be working in a number of countries right now I'll spare the list uh, some of them are in closed countries and in the, in the middle east um but I, the Lord gave me a heart for missions from early on, and, and I remember feeling like we really weren't probably even a real church until we had our own mission somewhere. <laughs> that, well, that wasn't the case. That wasn't the yeah. case at all. Um, the, but I remember for about, let's see, took over the senior pastor in 2002. The Lord really didn't open up a door for us to have what I would say was like, you know, like our own mission work in a, in a country. For 10 years mm. to, to 2012. And, but you heard of these churches that just have these connections, or we were like, what you, you, but then you, but then I felt like it was playing second fiddle to just come and come alongside of work that had already been established. It wasn't something we planted or something that we did. Uh, somebody that we sent out from our church, you're just kind of coming alongside and established work somewhere else, somebody else that you know, friend of a friend. But that wasn't the case. Um, the Lord sees your heart, and He's the one that opens up doors for ministry. And I would just say, if, if to any pastors that, that have especially a heart for ministry, pray and seek the Lord where He wants your church, and then get involved doing something uh, wherever you can go, the connections that you have, and just be supportive, be generous. Somebody from your church is a part of YWAM or somebody from your church is a part of Frontiers Missions or they know their uncle and aunt are coming through and it's like, oh, they're they're doing this. By all means, visit with them, have coffee or, or give them five minutes to share a testimony from the mission field and send them some money. Like the Lord's mm -hmm. never going to punish you for that. And um, just pray. And if you have an opportunity to take a short term trip with another group, take it. Just do it. And I just remember just doing that step by step by step for, for 10 years. And we'd pray. We'd knock on doors. I'd take a couple of trips here or there. And just like, but Lord, really, what do you have for us? And none of those ever really panned out long term. We even sent some people on the field to a couple of places that didn't pan out. And then and then it was just a connection uh, through a friend, I, just a guy in India that I had, I had met and we were able to come alongside him on on, on, on the groundbreaking uh, of, a, of a brand new Bible college with just 18 students. We uh, went over in 2012 and 
and have been back every year since, except for COVID and the years ensuing. Uh, but we've been back this this year. We went back again and saw that that school come from a one room, 18 students to um, multi building campus. We've sent tons of cash over and, and teams over. And now there's uh, over 200 students there. And it's oh, wow. just Ivan Word where Buzzword is being established. And this last time I was there, just one of the first year students was is, who's now on staff just shared a devotion just from First Samuel just on one of the mornings. And it was just such a spot on expositional teaching. And I just was in tears, just like the Lord just really used our fellowship within that just to root this group in the in the verse by verse teaching of God's word. And now we have people going other places and 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 we've just seen a lot of heartache and a lot of good things, a lot of fruit. But I I would just say in missions it's always just walking through the, the just the next door. Be generous. Be generous. Pray for missions. And just walk through the doors that the Lord opens for you, and and He'll He'll do the big work. Yeah, that's uh one of the one of the things I, I like about missions, and actually there's a there's a bunch of stuff that that we do at our church, and whenever I'm looking at getting into something new, one of the one of the major motivations is um, having a place where my people can go and serve, um, because the uh, you know the Bible talks about the fact that. Um, it's the people who are supposed to be doing the work of the ministry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you can only get so many people in your Sunday school and, right. you know, and, and involved in your youth groups. And not everybody's um, built for that kind of ministry. And so one of the things that, I, that I've always kept in mind is that I, I need to find an outlet for my people to be able to serve the Lord. And so when I when I'm looking at an opportunity like a mission or or that kind of stuff, that's why short term miss, missions are so cool um, because you can you can take people and maybe they've never been involved in anything else, a teaching thing or or anything like that because they don't feel they have the gifting, but they certainly want to go go over and serve people in their churches and you know we got guys who are going down to uh, Mexico and building houses and you know uh, places where you can use your gifts and so. Um, I think that the, you know, I don't think this, you know, the Bible's clear on the fact that we need to be making an impact on the people who are around us and that, again, the uh, the people that we have at our fellowship are supposed to be doing the work of the ministry. And so um, that is just a major major motivation, I think, that a pastor needs to have. Where Where does God want my people to serve? You know, is this an opportunity? Is this something that can that can be used of God? And and uh, you know, and like you said, sometimes those things don't pan out. But the the time that you spent there uh, is time that's that's uh, that Jesus blesses and that He works through, and that He they're going to get rewarded for it. So I think that's just a really cool thing. Yeah, yeah. I've always looked at missions as twofold. You're you're going there to do something and do outreach, and which is which is great, and that's why people want to go. They're excited. They you know, want to go and make an impact. But really, you know, for me as a ministry leader, I'm bringing whether it's young adults or junior hires. When I was a youth pastor, like I'm bringing them there to mature them up and see and let them see God work and like move in them and kind of activate them into ministry. And so. I think missions is such a cool thing to do that because it takes a lot of kind of like, a, you know, we go to Israel, you know, you get a year of Bible college in a, you know, two weeks of 
walking the land. This to mm-hmm. me is like a, a shortcut to maturing as a believer. You're, you're just doing a lot of things that you're stepping out in faith and seeing yep. God work and move in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's, and missions is contagious and, and, um, and it's taken us years, I mean, years to, to get here, obviously. But one thing that, one thing that we just try to do, and you have to be careful because of time, obviously, but if somebody is going somewhere, even if it's not just something that's not one of our trips, we have a bunch of college students come in uh, to uh, to our church. And a lot of kids from what is the Navigators Campus Ministry. Mm-hmm. And so I'm talking about both local and international missions. And what we want to do is just foster that. And so if I know somebody that is that are serving in a local mission or, or we have somebody that uh, serves uh, the, at, at, at a local uh, uh, food bank and, or, you know, a, a homeless shelter. We have people that are uh, on staff at the, the campus ministries, people that are going overseas that we will say, okay, if you're going somewhere, here's three minutes on a Sunday morning, and we want to hear where you're where you going, what you're doing, and how we can pray for you and support you. Uh, we had a couple that that has a, a youth center. They don't go to our church. They're just from the community, but they're, they do a youth center out by the, the high school. And so we'll have people coming, and we'll have certain stretches at times where it's like, I'm not joking, 10 consecutive weeks 12 consecutive weeks sometimes where there's a three minute snapshot right after right after announcements before the word where somebody who's doing some sort of their international or local mission is coming up sharing that and then we pray for them and then they're out in the foyer afterward and and it's just it's it's and then we'll get or give them an opportunity to give a little report after we try to be careful on time but it's amazing how it can just so I would just say, if you have somebody, especially if it's a guy's smaller church, you have somebody you know that is doing some sort of ministry, it's okay, even if it's not Calvary Chapel sanctioned, right. to give them a couple minutes. It just helps people, oh, there's stuff going on. You don't have to freak out like, oh, what if they stop tithing and they give to that guy instead of me? Like, don't worry about it. Just yeah. Just let people know what's going on and let them pray. And it, it begins, it like starts to get contagious. People are like, I want to reach out. I want to do something. I, I think your point about uh, local missions is um, well taken in the in the sense that a lot of times when we're thinking missions, we're thinking other countries and, and that kind of thing. But there are a lot of people who are in, involved in YWAM. And I know that YWAM has their issues, but yeah. um, you, get the, you get the right people in there that can just be an awesome ministry. You don't you don't have to do things, to, you know. Yeah. You know, watered down. Uh, Young Life around here when uh, mm-hmm. when we first started, the Young Life directors were coming to our church, and that's where I was funneling a lot of my people, and so we were supporting that, and uh, it was just it was phenomenal. You know, I got I got to speak into the lives of these guys, and you know, uh, Young Life was kind of uh, centered around. Um, you're basically preaching the gospel once a year at camp, and uh, and I was like, why don't you just do that every week? And they did, and just blew up. Lots of kids got saved, and so there there are cool things that that are happening in our areas that if you can get involved in, and you know you got the right spirit behind it, and uh, and the work of the Holy Spirit, 
in the lives of the people. It could just be a blessing. We got people that are involved in Campus Crusade and you know support them and and uh, and all of this stuff. And so there's lots of opportunities to be involved in local missions too. So that's that's a that's a really good point. Yeah. 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 All right. Are you ready for the lightning round? Yeah. Do it. <laughs> okay. Three, three questions. Just real quick answers. Who's your go-to pastor, dead or alive, to listen to? David Guzik. Okay. Okay. Uh, what is a recent good read, a book you suggest to other pastors that they need to read this book? They've probably all read it, but I would have them read it again. Knowing God, G.I. Packer. And then lastly, what is one piece of advice you'd give for someone who's either in full-time ministry or looking to go into full-time ministry? Read your Bible <laughs> every day. Wake up and say, Lord, take my life. Let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Yeah. And just get into God's word. Get on your knees. Seek his face and pray that he'd open up those doors. Yep. I love it. Thanks, Ted, for awesome. hanging out with us. Thanks, Appreciate Ted. you, man. Yep. Yeah. Thank you, guys. It was a blast. The EQ Podcast is here as a resource for our listeners. Check us out at eqministry.com. On our website, you'll find a variety of helpful tools, including past ministry conferences and a contact form to seek out help or counsel from seasoned Calvary pastors who want to encourage you in your serving or answer your ministry-related questions. Until next time, God bless.